to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It is a pleasure to be with you once again, and it is an exciting second episode for this Monday. Uh, Chip Williams, uh, uh, formerly from Memphis, um, he was with me on the previous episode to discuss NBA draft prospects coming up um, after this season, but I am excited to welcome another great mind, one of my favorite minds when it comes to Grizzlies fandom, and that is Bryce Hayes, a fellow member over at Grizzly Bear Blues, but just a great young up-and-coming sports mind. He's been kind enough to join us. Bryce, how are you doing today, sir? Ask me up, man. You get me emotional. It's for good reason. It's for good reason. But I'm good, man. You know, we got this whole blizzard thing here last week, and then now it's pouring down rain every day. So I'm staying inside, just trying to stay in good health, keep keep my mind, body, and soul right, and enjoy some Grizzlies basketball. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing about it. You hit it exactly right. I, I, when I was talking with Chip last night, we were talking about it. Two weeks ago, we were bracing for the you know worst snowstorm that I can remember in my time here on Earth. And then last night, we're sitting here in 70-degree weather, wondering if a tornado was going to come through. That's Memphis weather <laughs> hitting the nail on the head. So, as, as bipolar as it can be. Exactly, exactly. Well, so last night, obviously, Bryce, and, and we'll get into where you can find Bryce's work uh, here towards the end of the show. But uh, on the first segment here, I want to talk with Bryce about just an amazing win last night. And Bryce, I don't think there's a better way that can sum it up. Because when it comes to social media content, I put you up there as being one of the more resourceful guys that's out there. And you sit here and made the comment, you said that you ran out of content. And that lets me know how historic of a victory it was. <laughs> no, I I try to have like certain things lined up depending on the team we play, the area. You kind of run out of stuff to talk about. It's not really that entertaining. It's not a close game. Like no, I have to ask about people's favorite Beyonce song. Like it's, you have to think of something to keep the content going. Agree completely. And the thing about it is this, is that, you know, the reason why I say you're you're one of the more resourceful guys is because it's not only, you know, the 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 the, the gifs and the memes and, and things such as that, but it, it's after a while you just run out of compliments. And last night that was the big thing is that there were so many things to compliment on. But looking at that game last night, overall, it was got off to a pretty awful start. Like neither, I think both teams started off like 20, 30% from the field over the first like 10 minutes of the game, but then the Grizzlies just took over. It was really nice to see the Grizzlies though take advantage of an opportunity because we've been playing where we've either been losing by 30 or winning by 30. It was nice to see them in a game that they were supposed to win, take over and dominate. Exactly, because you know, typical Grizzlies basketball will play great against teams like the Clippers and Lakers and then give away games against teams we're supposed to beat. So to finally see them assert dominance with the almost 100% healthy team was something great to see. And you saw guys that even though it was a slow start, they didn't give up. They kept their foot on Houston's neck and pretty much went pedal to the metal and finished them off. You got to get guys like John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas that are playing every game, rest in the fourth quarter. You got to see Tilly and Tilly for the first time in his NBA career get his first basket and pretty much we cleared the bench. I thought that the team manager was actually going to get to play there in the last couple of minutes because they were up by so much. <laughs> now maybe Jenkins himself was going to suit up. I agree. But the, the other big development about it, Bryce, obviously I want to get your thoughts on this and from a couple of perspectives. 
Justice Winslow, 20 points last night. Just it seems like he's really getting his legs back going. But just just an unbelievable story of, of perseverance and, and how well he has embraced the team and they've embraced him. It's made all the difference in the world. And it's nice to see so quickly there being proof of why the Grizzlies have been patient with him and why they've invested what they have in him because he can be a difference maker, as you saw last night and as you've seen, especially defensively, since he's returned. Exactly. I know I know that weight was uh, kind of grinding some gears. I know people wanted to see him play, and those first couple games were rough. You know, watching him, he's airballing, he's missing layups. But this nice fight last night that proved why that weight was worth it. And the post-game interview where he was like, that trade is the best thing that ever happened. That's what basketball is all about, man. Like, that kid is a Houston kid. So to do that where, you know, in your hometown to finally come full circle after almost 400 days of not playing basketball, that's great, man. And honestly, I hope for nothing but the best for him. I thought he could play coming out of Duke. I don't know what went wrong in Miami. And it's nice, like last night, to give me hope about this trade where Justice Winslow might be in a Griffiths uniform for a long time. And, and I'll give you a bit of props. Now, I think that your original prediction was that he would make his debut being a Houston kid playing for the Grizzlies there. But, hey, it came through. He had his best game in quite a while when he was in a Grizzlies uniform. So that was – it was nice to see just how offensively capable he was. Yeah, like those first couple games, you could see he was still kind of figuring it out offensively. But he brought the intensity defensively, which – it's something as, you know, the Grizzlies who've leaned on defense for the past decade plus now, that's something you love to see. And then last night, granted, the Rockets are on the verge of being one of the worst teams in basketball, but to see him take advantage of the different matchups he got last night, the different coverages they threw at him, and pretty much he did whatever he wanted. Like, he turned defense into offense. He took them down in the paint on a low block. He shot threes. Like, he did everything that you could want from a player, especially as someone that's operating as a sixth man right now. So for somebody that's the sixth man, hadn't played basketball in a long time, and now he's starting to get comfortable, you can see where potentially he's a starter when we come back for the second half post-All-Star break. And some people may not put much value on this. It's however you choose to put value on it. But I've been saying it all year, and I feel it's absolutely true. One of the things that makes this team continue to exceed expectations or be better than people thought they might be is the simple fact that they truly love playing with each other. Like everybody on this team feels that they are better individually because of what they do as a team. And Justice is the same example of that. Just it was so awesome seeing the support of other players talking about him in the post-game media sessions that he got in those interviews, this family-type atmosphere led by Taylor Jenkins investing in what he does in the players, it makes all the difference in the world, and it really does add value. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Now, as a lot of people know now that I've been around the block a little bit, y'all know I play college football. I've been in locker rooms where guys don't like each other. I've been in high school locker rooms where guys don't like each other. So those locker rooms where you love each other and you'll do anything for your brother that's next to you, it doesn't matter – well, granted, it does matter a little bit how talented the team is, but when you have talent and you believe in the person next to you, whether they're a starter, a bench player, or just somebody that's injured that's kind of coaching you up for what they're seeing, that makes everybody on that team just a little bit better, and it can help take a team that's a 500 team 
make them a couple games better than 500. That adds wins. And people, like, people have this thing with Dylan Brooks, but Dylan Brooks, the way he operates when he's not on the court, where he's constantly talking. Like when you listen, you or when you're at a Grizzlies game, Dylan Brooks is constantly talking. That stuff matters. Justice Winslow, when he was on the bench all those games, whether he wanted to play or not, he's constantly talking. And stuff like that matters. And Jared's been doing the same thing, and I think it's going to make him a better basketball player when he comes back because he's gotten to watch it from a mental side for the past couple months. And now he's seen things that he probably wouldn't be able to see just watching film or playing every night. But he's going to have different things about different players that he's going to match up against every other night now that he didn't see last year. So I think it's a great thing what the Grizzlies are doing, and it only gives me more hope for the future. And he hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks being two of the more polarizing players on the Grizzlies because, you know, what, what, what can they do on the court? You know, what's their true value to this team is the future. But I think that both of them are excellent as big brothers. They give personality and they give an edge to this team, which it really needs. But speaking of this team, Coming up, I want to talk with Bryce about just how different it is seeing this generation of the Grizzlies so active on social media versus the previous generations that we've seen successful and why that's important going forward, building the culture that is so important to Grizzlies basketball here in Memphis. Now, when we start with social media, I have to give credit to my dog, Devin Walker, because I think he does play a role in that and his relationship with the guys on the team where they know if Devin makes something, pay attention because I'm going to need you to retweet it, talk about it, get the engagement up. But it also comes to the fact that this is a team full of young guys. All these guys are around my age. We grew up on Twitter. We grew up on Instagram. Like, that's part of the game they experience, you know, whether people agree with it or not. The walk-up photo shoot, that's part of the experience. The highlights during the game, getting tagged in it, we live for that. So, these guys love this, and I think it's an added element to sports, to sports and sports fandom now. So, the more these guys love it, I think it's better for the team, especially in a small market like Memphis, where there's not millions of people in Memphis. This is a young franchise. We're not a historical franchise like the Lakers, or really even the Spurs in our own division. So, to have guys like that, and then a fan favorite and a pretty much national favorite now in John Morant, who's active on social media, going to retweet his own highlights, talk about things, talk about music, talk about things he likes. It's constantly expanding the Grizzlies brand, and it's only going to improve the fan base that I think is one of the best in the league. And I think that that's such a big key, though. You know, so, for instance, you're a bit younger than me. When I was was coming out of college and things like that, it was the grit and grind era. It was a throwback to an old style of basketball. That's what I saw as I was becoming a young adult and things like that. With you, right. you grew up more with social media, which is completely understandable. But I do think you hit the nail on the head. I think that the Grizzlies, with, under Jason Wexler, through business decisions and the way that they promote things on social media, they're doing such a good job connecting with Moran and Jaron Jackson and others. That type of connection is what's really going to help answer any questions about the long-term future and commitment between the team and its best players. I think it's a great thing that they've done from day one in support of their young stars. And even with how we roll things out, like, we cater to the audience that these guys like. Like, even the background music for hype videos, whether it be in the stadium or on social media, we do things that these guys like. Like, we're not trying to stick 
to a certain demographic. Because if we're being honest, our demographic is a little bit older. If we're being honest about the Grizzlies fan base, yeah, it's getting younger because obviously people are having kids and things are, that's eventually going to happen. The turnover happens. But instead, we're focusing on a young team using young things to roll things out. And granted, it's not always going to, it's going to be hit or miss at times with the older demographic, but it works for the people that matter, which are the players, which make other players want to come here and shows the cooler side of Memphis that I think sometimes gets overlooked because of a past era where it was kind of less social media. We're just going to punch you in the face and we might get on ESPN here and there because, oh, we beat the Clippers and we might have kicked Chris Paul in the face. Well, and that's what I'll say is, is, hey, nice, nice reference to Tony there, the grandfather himself. But that's the thing that I'll say, even though you're a bit younger, I mean, you've done some great work on the history of Grizzlies basketball. And it always has seemed like in different parts of Memphis basketball, it's almost like a throwback era type style of play. But seeing this now, I give Taylor Jenkins so much credit. Yes, it's the business side of things, but you also have a style of play that focuses on highlights, focuses on shooting the three. It's a lot more modern style of basketball that, that helps to be competitive, but it's also nice to build a brand as well with such an exciting style of basketball, led by Morant, but all the way up and down the roster. You know, when Brandon Clark catches those lines, to me, it's some of the most memorable plays that you'll see this season. Because it's something we're not used to. Because, I mean, even, like, you take the last 20 years, outside of, what, Stromar, Swift, and Team Ward, like, that's really it. I mean, Rudy Gay would have his every now and then, but Rudy Gay wasn't around that long. So let's be honest, the King Ward and Stromar Swift were the closest things to getting a lot of dunks for a long time. Like, Green Grind you were lucky to see a dunk. And it was celebrated. Like, you remember it for three weeks because you might not know the next time it happened. Now we're getting highlight plays every game. And I think we're getting a little bit spoiled by it because, I mean, and I think it's well-deserved because we go a whole, I think, eight-year run without seeing maybe 100 dunks. All this is crazy to me. Like, Jerry Jackson, John Morant, all all these guys can throw it down with the best of them. And, you know, we're getting younger. We're a more entertaining brand, and it's kind of the remix version of an air air pass, which to me is the best of both worlds because, you know, like I said, we're an older demographic that they grew up watching guys like Jordan. They played defense, and you have guys now like, like Desmond Bain, like Dylan Brooks, whether you like it or not, like Justice Winslow, that are going to lock down and then on the other end, you got guys like John Morant, Brandon Clark. They're going to throw it down, and they're going to stare at you when they do it. They're going to hype the crowd up. Once we're at a stage post-COVID to have fans in the building again, they're going to hype the fans up, and you're going to hear about it on social media once they get back to the locker room, too. And that's a, that's the great thing about it. You know, here again with Bryce Hayes from, from Grizzly Bear Blues, um, the thing that I'll say is, is that the other great thing about it is, is that you also have it to where – you know, people have the talks, and, and the extension talks are going to start with Jaron Jackson Jr. this summer. Next summer, they'll start with John Morant. People want to sit there and joke about, well, when Morant leaves Memphis, all this difference. I ain't even worried about that. And the one of the big reasons why is because in the area of social media, things become so much smaller. You don't have to be in those big markets to be able to build the brand that you want to build. And because the Grizzlies have made such a connection with their young players and doing it, I think that that also brings up a great point where the existence of social media – 
eliminates the possibilities that you're thinking of, okay, they may leave for bigger opportunities. Big opportunities are here because of their connection with the Grizzlies right now. And I think it kind of goes back to the family dynamic that Taylor Jenkins and Zach Kleiman and Jason Weston, all those guys have set up because, yeah, you could probably get more money going to a Miami or a L.A. or a New York, but these guys love each other. Granted, that doesn't put money in your pockets. That doesn't feed your family. That doesn't present you more opportunities. But at the same time, if you've got players like a Jaren, like a Josh, and you've grown up together in the AAU and these AAU tournaments where you kind of play with a lot of these guys with or against, you all know each other. So if you've got a team like the Grizzlies that everyone can see has one of the better young cores in the NBA, guys want to play with us. Do, we, do I think they're going to go and get Bradley Beal or Zach Levine? I don't think so. But these guys give a base where guys – in the past where Graydon Bryan had a very specific type of style that people wouldn't really entertain coming here. Guys now where you have jaw that can get to the rim or throw a lob to you and Jerry Jackson who is a modern big that can stretch the floor. Guys might entertain Memphis now where in the past they wouldn't have. And that's the great thing about it is that the best way for you to be able to get front through a rebuild to being a sustainable winner is to keep exceeding expectations, but also to tame. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, come back, and when we do, I'm going to finish up with Bryce talking about a need for a strong end to the first half of the season, as well as some adjustments needed for the second half. So, Bryce, looking at this schedule, we've got Washington. Obviously, we'll be playing, you know, tonight. Now, this is our Tuesday recording, even though we're recording on Monday. We got them tonight, and then on Thursday, we got the Bucks. I think it is super important, so important for the Grizzlies to get a win in one of these next two games. The Bucs are going to be hard because they're the Bucs, obviously. Washington's playing right. better. But I really do think that it's going to be so important for this Grizzlies team to be at least 16 and 16 versus 15 and 17 or worse ending the first half. I agree 100%. I said, I think, late last week where they need to win two out of the last three games. So they got their first one with Houston. They didn't let the opportunity slip by them. Now, the Wizards are hot. Like, people were ready to blow that team up. We had a whole free Brad Beal trend on Twitter for like three weeks because they kept getting blown out, even though he was scoring 30, 40 points a night. And the Bucks are the Bucks. You know, you got the Giannis problem. And then Drew Holiday has something on John Morant where John Morant can't do anything for some reason against Drew Holiday. And, you know, I think the Wizards game is winnable. And depending on how the Bucks play this game, going into the All-Star break, with it being, I think, their last game going into the All-Star break, just like the Grizzlies, I think that there's an opportunity there, too, because, like I said earlier, when the Grizzlies play teams that's, quote-unquote, above their level, they play, they punch up. Like, they're not afraid to rise to the occasion. So, whether they win it or not, I don't know. But I think there is a chance, because, I mean, that's the Grizzlies, man. They play to their level, and I think they can sneak one, and it's important, too, because what is it, 40 games in like 68 days Correct. in the second half? They're, they're going to need every game from here on out. And the West is cutthroat, man. Like, this isn't the Eastern Conference where you can be 500 and you can close. The Grizzlies are 500, and they're just in the play Every Every team out West is playing for something pretty much outside of the Houston Rockets and I think one more team. Everybody else is pretty much in it. So every game matters, and – 
especially here going into the break, go balls and walls because it's not like anybody's going to All-Star Weekend anyway. You've got eight, eight days to rest, leave it all out on the floor. And I think the second, second half of the season will be something special, man, because now that they're finally healthy, you're seeing the flashes of what Zach Kleinman and Taylor Jenkins and the crew have put together. And I think not, not only can they make a run for the play-in or just an official like top eight team, they can still win the division. I mean, they're two games out. Well, and that's the thing I'll ask you, Bryce. So, you know, you bring up that every game is going to count. And to start off that second half of the schedule, they've got Washington and Houston again. But they've also got Denver once and also Golden State twice in their first eight games. All three of those games are at home. So some really impactful games towards the end of the Western Conference playoff picture. So my question to you is this. We've seen different rotations with Justice back. We get through this first half. We go into the second half. Do you feel it makes sense to just go with what's obvious, Ja, Dylan, Justice, Jaron, and Jonas? Would you mix it up a bit um, as you start off? What are your thoughts of, as far as the rotation ironing in itself out once Jaron is back and now Justice get going? That might be the move, but at the same time, we've seen where Justice is playing really well at the four, and so is Kyle Anderson. So there's a lot of questions going around, especially with Jaron coming back, where you kind of know the point guard position is settled. But at the same time, there's so many questions at literally every other position. I mean, obviously, we know Jonas Valanciunas is a starter. But do they continue to play Xavier Tillman? Do they slide Brandon Clark to the five like they did last night at times? Or does Gordy Dang, if they can't move him, does he return to the rotation where he was playing really well when he's playing? Then now he's kind of just having to take advantage of playing in garbage time. Like, and the wing position – Everything's up in the air outside of we know Dylan Brooks is going to play. Like, we never know if it's going to be Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain, Anthony Milton. Because all we're at a luxury now where a couple of years ago where it was grit and grind or post grit and grind where it was seven guys and you never you knew who was playing. And now they built a roster that's so deep where you're having to sit really good guys like Anthony Milton as the 11th man because we're so dedicated to just a 10 man rotation where. I envy, at the same time, I don't envy the decisions Taylor Jenkins is going to have to make coming out of All-Star Weekend because that's a lot of guys with a lot of talent that are playing well together, and you can see that even when Ja came back. Like, once they kind of got in their rhythm, they were really good, but once Ja came back, there was like a week where they had to readjust, and it wasn't really good basketball being played. And I think to a degree that's what's going to happen when Jaren is inserted back into the rotation where they have to readjust. So there's a lot of questions, and I also think there's going to be a growing period that I believe is going to be tough on fans when they lose a couple. But at the same time, we have to be patient. Remember, it's a young team, but I also think it's going to still be a competitive team. We'll take figure everything out and figure out who the 10 are for good, if they can ever stay healthy. Well, and that's the thing about it. To keep them healthy, that's where the depth comes into play because you're still going to sit Justice in some games. You're still going to sit Jaron in some games. But the reason, the good thing about being able to go 11 or 12 deep that you can trust, that means that, you know, knocking off a few five minutes here in this game, 10 minutes here for another player in this game, that really helps out. So I do think that depth, besides just being an advantage that it's been so far this season, it also is going to keep guys fresher as we're playing this 40 games and 68-day stretch. Like, I wrote for GVB around, I think it was Christmas or New Year's. Like, one of the New Year's resolutions was 
expand the rotation to 11 or 12 because it was that many guys playing well. Like, there wasn't anyone in particular just standing out that was like, okay, it's time to take him out of the rotation. But as we keep getting healthier, like, it's coming to a point where I'm sorry you're playing well, but you're going to have to sit and wait your turn until we're either up 20 or down 20. And now, with a team that's post-All-Star break, going to finally be 100% healthy and we're able to toe the line the whole first half and stay at 500, even after Jaron being hurt, Justice being hurt, Jaw being hurt, getting parked for COVID, and they're still right there in the race, who, who knows what's going to happen? So, Bryce, not to put you on the spot, I'm going to ask you this, though, because you're pretty good with these predictions. Two bold predictions for the Hello. second half of the season for you. Two bold predictions for just the Grizzlies or basketball period? We'll give you both. Two predictions for the Grizzlies and two predictions for the NBA in the second half of the season. Okay. Uh, Kyle Anderson is at least a finalist for most improved player. and. The Grizzlies come, if they don't win a division, they come within one or two games, even though they've got this tough stretch. I'll trust in them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, what about the NBA? For the second half, let me just look at the, the league real fast. Take your time. Uh, hmm. Let's see. Western Conference. I'm going to say, first off, just back to the Grizzlies again. Those two games against Golden State are going to decide a playoff spot. Agreed. And they also finish up with Golden State in Golden State is the last game of the season. So, yeah. I think I think that game is going to matter as well. Like, I think that game is going to decide who is eight or yeah. eight or nine in that play-in position, as well as there's going to be some team with a big start that doesn't make the West. Like, the Western Conference is so deep and it's so close that I really don't know who's going to be on the outside looking in. Because, like, you've got Luka, who's playing MVP caliber basketball. He's on the outside looking in. They they haven't gotten parked or anything. Like, they, yeah. they've been playing a full – they played a full season and they're still right there with the Grizzlies. Granted, they beat us by, what, 30 points the other night? But who cares? That happens. It's part of the game. It's up and down season. And I don't think the Knicks make the playoffs. That's my other oh. prediction. Oh, okay. That that that's fair. If if anybody if uh, Julius Randle has a tough stretch, I agree with you. But I also agree. I think that it's legitimate that one of Zion, Nikola, uh, Jokic, uh, Steph Curry, or Luca do not make the playoffs this year. Hopefully, it's because of the Grizzlies. But but I agree with you. Bryce, man, it's been a pleasure. I know this is the first time we've been able to talk uh, together over a podcast, but just want to give you the opportunity to let people know where you are, your great work on social media. Where can they find you? Do you got anything planned coming up here in the near future as far as Grizzlies or just content in general goes? Appreciate that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NXT Prodigy, or you can just search my name, Bryce Hayes. I ought to be one of the first to pop up. That's not that popular of a name combination. Um, as far as working the in the future, I'm trying to find a job, you know, fresh out of college into a pandemic. So keeping my eyes peeled, hopefully get something towards content creation. Hopefully I get this thing with the hustle that I applied for. I can stick around Memphis a little bit longer, but we'll see. You know, in the meantime, I'm enjoy this little vacation I got. 
and take the and look for the positives in life, man. You know, it's been a tough, tough year and some change now with the pandemic and everything, but still trying to find the positives in life. Don't get too down on myself or anybody else. And just try to raise people up, man, and stay blessed. Hey, well, just from a fan's perspective, thank you for adding to Grizzlies fandom with the great content. If you'll stick with us for just a second after the show, his name is Bryce Hayes. Again, you can follow him at NXT Prodigy on Twitter. My name is Sean Coleman. You can follow me at StatsSEC. You can also follow the show at Locked on Grizz. All of Bryce's great work as well as myself over at Grizzly Bear Blues. For Bryce Hayes, my name's Sean Coleman. Thank you so much, and we'll be back. We'll be back later this week with Evan Barnes of the Commercial Appeal talking about the Grizzlies' first half wrap-up. But again, for Bryce Hayes, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again here soon on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.